guys. Welcome to the third Sega Saturn Shiro minicast. Today we got a great show for you and we got uh, some great people we're going to be talking to. Talk to Mr. Ben Wallace and of course our Mr. well-known partner and friend Sam or you guys know him as the Sega Gentleman. So uh, Claire and I have a few questions to ask you uh, but first of all uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing absolutely awesome. Glad to hear it. I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. I basically had a uh, car show yesterday that I was getting out of, and uh, today's pretty rainy, but uh, it's a good day to go for some video games. Oh, nice. Hopefully you saw some uh, Skylines or something. Uh, that would have been pretty sweet, especially at a Volkswagen show. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm guessing that's a no. Uh, unfortunately, no, although I would love to see some Skylines at a show. Awesome. What about you, Sam? I mean, same thing. It's raining like hell down here, but got a nice little cup of coffee, spent some time with the family this morning, and uh, before the recording, got to get a little action in on the Saturn, so it's just another day in paradise down here in Louisiana. Sounds beautiful to me, man. It's awesome. All right, so uh, let's get right into it. The first question is, uh, what got you guys interested in the uh, Sega Saturn? Well, for me, it was basically, I had a friend that had a Saturn, and uh, nobody else had one at the time. It was just something that nobody went with. Everybody went with the PlayStation, you know, and so, and then, of course, the other device known as the Nintendo 64, you know, that sort of thing. But um, we had this one friend, so she had a Saturn, and we were all just kind of mystified by it, because the Saturn was basically the Japanese console, you know, the one that Sega made for Japan, and, and it just happened to have a U.S. release, and so nobody really picked it up. Um, but anyway, so we, she has this thing, and we're going over to her house to play this every so often when we get together, and we find that it's really actually certain kind of genres of games and the way that it does some of them. It, it's a really neat Saturn system, and from that point on, I had always wanted one, because from what we had played at her house, I was like, man, I gotta get one of those myself one of these days. And it was it was years later that I was actually able to get one, but that's where my Saturn experience came from. That's pretty cool, Ben. Um, do you remember what the first game you played at your friend's house was? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, first game that we were playing was uh, the Bubble, uh, not Bubble Bobble, but it was Bust a Move. And uh, so this was the one that we would just compete like crazy on. She also had Saturn Bomberman that we used to play all the time, too. Those kind of multiplayer games like that, we just loved. Wow, it sounds like she had excellent taste. Yeah, totally agree. Fantastic games. I love love me, love me both of them, Bubble Bobble and, and Bomberman. That's awesome. What about you, Sam? What was uh, your first experience with the Sega Saturn? Well, you know, I... I grew up as a as a fan of Sega. Um, cousin of mine had the Master System. That was my first experience with Sega console. Now, fast track up to 1995. Of course, it's very late. But at that point in 1995, I finally picked up a uh, Genesis, Model 2 Genesis. And I picked up Streets of Rage. And I picked up um, Sonic 2 with it. I, I still have my original copies to the day. I still have my original Genesis. Of course, it was used at that point. Um, and, you know, in 1995, the Saturn had finally come into the you know fruition and there were contrary to a lot of other people in the united states i actually did see a number of commercials for it you know i saw them on nick i saw it on fox i saw it on these you know channels i grew up watching and i always wanted one um who had picked up the playstation no one had picked up the saturn um saturn was not very prominent in my part of the country and i finally just went ahead and decided in um 
1997, early 1997, that I was going to get a Saturn because there was there was magazine ads. There was a, a, a store right across the street from my house and it had the magazines there and I would go in and I would read about the games. I'd read about the, the very last couple of uh, Genesis releases that had come out. I'd, I'd read about the new PlayStation. Of course, I'd read about the Saturn. And I finally got together enough money to buy a used Model 2 U.S. Saturn. And that was in the first weekend of 1997, October of 1997, okay? And right down the road was Walmart. And Walmart had a couple of Saturn games still on the shelves. And they had just gotten some uh, Resident Evil. Resident Evil had just released on the Sega Saturn. And I'd seen my friends play it on the PlayStation. So that was the game I bought. My very first game I ever bought for the Sega Saturn went home and tried my best to get through that game. You know, I always call it the snake in, in the, in the attic. And, you know, I say that cause a lot of people don't know the names of these monsters. It's yawn. Um, that's the large, you know, biological weapon in the attic, the big snake. And you fight it numerous times throughout the story. And I literally could not beat the snake all night. I, I, I could not, I went up there. I, and it, what was so stupid about it was I was still stuck in that, that cartridge mentality where you had to, you know, the game just, you know, saved for you or you had a password or whatever the case was. I had no idea, even all these times I'd watched my friends, I had no idea to use an ink ribbon to save the game. So I was having to start over, over and over. It wasn't until the next day whenever I talked to one of my buddies on the school bus about what was going on. He was like, dude, you don't even actually have to beat this snake. You can just run past it, go over here, get this, blah, 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 do this. And, and I was like, are you serious? Really? He's like, oh, and by the way, why don't you just go get an ink ribbon from over here, which I'd done done like five different times already during the game, and go and save on the typewriter before you fight. And I'm just, I mean, it just it completely blew my mind. So I was completely, completely ignorant to you know how to play these games on a CD-based console, especially the Saturn. And since I had no one around me, I basically had to learn on my own. And a lot of the games I was playing were ports that were both on the Saturn and the PlayStation. So. I, that, that was my first experience with it. There was a lot of times of me taking my Saturn over to buddies' houses and then bringing their PlayStation over to mine. And we just, I, I had a TV in my bedroom and there was a TV in the living room and we just, we take over the house playing games. So that, that was my first experience. That's awesome. I mean, you must have gotten really, really good fighting that, getting through the game then at that oh, point if you'd done it. Dude, by, by the time that, um by the time that Resident Evil 2 had come out, I was able to beat Resident Evil like the quickest way, you know, the, the, I, and this was before really you had the ability to go online and find all these, you know, these walkthroughs and everything else. But I was beating the game in two hours, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a preteen, I was beating the game in two hours. And there was, like I said, no walkthroughs, no strategy guys. But I mean, you got to understand too, we weren't, we weren't really, you know, wealthy at that point in life. So I didn't actually get another, Saturn game until Christmas of that year. So, I mean, there was literally two months of time where all I had to play was Resident Evil on the Saturn. So, yes, I was playing the hell out of it over and over and over. I have to say, though, I mean, it's definitely not a bad game to uh, start on. I mean, I see a lot of people like, oh, my first game was uh, Knights or was Daytona USA. I mean, you got one hell of a game, so you must have had a great experience playing it. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, and, and another thing is that I was never much of an arcade gamer. So the the idea of the you know arcade brought to home, it just ne- it never really resonated to me. I wanted to play shooters. I wanted to play, and it, I really wanted to play 3D games as long as I can remember. And I really didn't care for platformers. I liked shooters. I liked fighters. I liked you know RPGs. 
Um, so whenever the Saturn came out and it gave me the opportunity to play something that wasn't a platformer, it was a 3D game. And now I've got this whole survival horror aspect of it, running around with, you know, with a rocket launcher and blasting everything. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And same thing was, you know, I, I got, you know, some of my other first games was like Duke Nukem. Um, then I picked up Gun Griffin. I mean, it, that, that was a, that was a lot of games I played that were not the the arcade games everyone talked about. They weren't nights. They weren't you know Daytona. They weren't that they weren't that kind of game. You know, I was a I, I was really a late '90s gamer. I wasn't an early '90s gamer. That's a fantastic story, Sam. It absolutely it. is. What you said about not really being an arcade gamer kind of resonates with me. That's what I was looking for as well with. Um, the 32-bit era. I was really looking forward to those 3D games and those action-adventure and RPG titles, just like you said. So uh, I love hearing about your experience with Resident Evil and how you really got the most out of that game from the very start, because that's the only game you had. And, you know, it kind of takes me back to those times when I was younger and I didn't have this entire library of games at my disposal. It was very few copies that I had to choose from. So, you know, it's kind of cool to think back on those times and think of how, you know, things were a little bit different when you were deciding what to play. Yeah, and I mean, to, to, to kind of bring it back to, you know, that time of my life, what I have to do now is I literally have a whiteboard that I'll put games on. And those are the games I try to play during that period of time. Um, you, whenever you have this mass of games, especially with the ability to play backups, you know, burn copies, you know, running through things like the real, whatever the case is, or just emulate them on the computer. You know, it really depreciates from the from the value of the game, I think, because if you get irritated slightly, you know, me and Simon were talking about this on our last uh, Titan cast. Whenever you have the ability to just go, oh, well, I don't want to play this. I've got 30 other games. I'm getting tired of this. You know, I'm just going to throw another disc in. You don't actually give the games a chance. And I mean, to a certain degree, especially with me being a father now, full time work, all this other stuff. You know, I don't have the time that I had back when I was a kid by any means to invest in a game. At the same time, if I don't try to force myself to get past some of the, I mean, most of us know, you really don't get into a good part of the game until like 30, 40 minutes, an hour worth of gameplay. Well, if I'm only given, you know, a game 20 minutes worth of my time, I'm not really going to be able to tell if it's worth playing or not. I'm basically just going, okay, well, I'm fed up after 15 minutes, you know, screw this. I'm going to go grab another disc or burn another game or whatever the case is. And it just, it, it really takes away from, it really takes away from the ability to appreciate the title. Yeah, so now that we know a little bit about what got you guys into the Saturn, um, what are your top three favorite Saturn games of all time? Ben, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Now, my number one all-time favorite Saturn game, it basically came uh, kind of like an accidental find. And it's surprisingly so because of what the title is. Now, remember, in my story earlier about playing Saturn with my friends... We didn't really get into all of those single-player games. It was all the multiplayers, everything that we could do together, and we had a lot of fun that way. But as far as the single-player games go, I didn't really experience those until when I had a Saturn of my own years later. And uh, so everybody kept talking about and talking about all these Panzer Dragoon series, and you really got to get into this. And so I was like, all right, I got to try this out. And uh, because all I knew was it was an on-rail shooter, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I love me some Star Fox. And, uh, but let's, let's try so I ended up picking up Panzer Dragoon, and now first off, just the title, you know, uh, looking at the etymology of the title itself, Panzer is an armored tank, and then Dragoons are basically a, a, it's a certain type of cavalry, you know, that the British Army uses, so 
And, you know, so really what it kind of means is an armored rider, basically. And uh, so I'm like, all right, let's give this a whirl. And so I popped it in, I gave it a try, and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is a, a really fun game. And the way they played it out, the way they did the on-rail shooting, the way they presented it, even the graphic quality of it at the time was really, really good. And I, I got to where what I was, when trying it out, I just kept playing. I couldn't stop. I couldn't put it down until I beat the thing. And I was like, oh my God, this is a really, really good game. And it got me into getting Panzer Dragoon's Y. And then um, just recently I picked up um, Panzer Dragoon Saga, which I never thought I would actually own. And I actually have it now. And um, all of these, they're just fantastic. And uh, so I would have to say, on number one on the top of my list is the original Panzer Dragoon. And uh, so... Moving on to a number two, I'll have to give credit to the fact that the Saturn does arcade games very, very well. Now, the Southern Gentleman doesn't really care much for the arcade ports, but me, on the other hand, I really do. I, I was part of that generation where we loved seeing the games at the arcade brought to home and then presented to us in the best quality possible. And then we get a little critical on them when they weren't up to speed. You know, say like the original Mortal Kombat, where it was lacking blood in certain versions, or the finishing moves with the spines not in there, stuff like that. And But when you got a really good port of all that graphic fidelity and everything just included, it sounds good, it, it plays well, it really makes that difference. And so my number two pick would be Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. And because uh, this was something that me and some friends of mine would play on end and on end, and we would do all the unlocks and all the hidden fights and everything we could find. And so I would definitely put that up there in the high rankings. You know, as far as my number three, my number three was a little bit of a tough choice because there are some games, like I said, that I would play with um, friends of mine, say like the uh, Busta Move or Saturn Bomberman or something that was solo that I really enjoyed was things like uh, Daytona USA or even Tomb Raider, which I found really enjoyable in the Saturn. But um, I would actually say my number three pick at the moment is Galactic Attack. I've gotten into this wave of shoot-em-ups, and it really hits that note very well. It's a lot of fun to play. It's really easy to get into. It's, its complexity is not too bad. You know, you can really play that game with a good understanding of how to get through it and not be just overwhelmed by the puzzles that it presents. So those would definitely be my top three choices. And they spend everything from, you know, a arcade translation. You know, you've got your um, Saturn-only game and Panzer Dragoon. And then we've got Galactic Attack, which is called Everything Under the Sun in every single language that we've got. But it's a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed these three. Nice. Yeah, I love that list. And I actually uh, just picked up uh, Raystorm for the PS1, which is, of course, later Section 2 on the Saturn. So I'm really excited to play that as well. And I, I really want to give Galactic Attack a shot as well. Because that also seems just right up my alley. I'm a big shmup and arcade guy. Yeah, that's a nice spread you got there, Ben. Um, I definitely agree with you about Panzer Dragoon especially. I know I love on this game every single cast, but... Also, very cool that you were able to pick up Saga. I'm happy for you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I was really excited to get that one because I had never been able to play it any time before, and nobody that I knew had a copy of it. So I kind of looked it on to myself to actually get a copy of this ultra-hard-to-find, ultra-expensive game, and for the sole intent of actually playing it and seeing what it was about. And it really lives up to the hype, in my opinion. It, it really is that good of an RPG. Hopefully it didn't uh, break the bank too much for you. 
Yeah, no kidding. All right, how about you, Sam? What are your top three favorite Saturn games? All right, let me uh, go ahead and preface this a little bit. Um, I know that I, I, I come across as this anti-arcade gamer, but to, to kind of explain that to a second, to just for a second, we didn't have arcades around here. Um, if you played an arcade game, it was because you went to the movie theater or there was you know a Pac-Man or Galaga booth inside of a restaurant. So for me, the arcade experience, it, it just didn't exist. So there was no reason to, to pursue arcade games. Um, so that's kind of why I fit the motif of how I do with games, at least. Now, as for my my three favorite Saturn games, I'm going to try to keep it Saturn-specific by saying three titles, but it's actually four games, because I'm going I'm to kind of cheat a little bit. Um, first and foremost, my favorite Saturn game, or Saturn series, rather, is um, it's Gun Griffin. Gun Griffin 1 and 2. Um, everybody who knows me knows I absolutely adore the Gun Griffin series. Um, it was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted a Saturn, because whenever I walked into Hollywood video, not the Hollywood video, it was a mom-and-pop's place, um, but whenever I walked in there, that was the one game I saw on the shelf all the time I wanted to play. Giant robots. Here I am, you know, a, a young boy in the 90s. I absolutely had to play a game. Turn it over on the back. It's looking through the cockpit. It looked absolutely awesome. Um, now, my second game would have to be, let me think for a second. I'm, I want to say I want to say Albert Albert's Odyssey, and a lot of people grief over that because they say it's it's not really a great game. Um, I, ca- I can I can see that point, but I absolutely love the, the the translation that was done for that game, the the westernizing of it. It is literally '90s pop culture nostalgia, just to the tops. It's like they turned the volume knob all the way up to eleven. And, you know, <laughs> I can play through that game over and over and over and over and over not to mention i really like the art style to it it was one of them games i really appreciated it being a more 2d adventure style um and this was you know right around the time a lot of my friends were playing you know final fantasy 7 i was seeing them play final fantasy 7 and i had this game and to be honest with you i saw the graphics on final fantasy 7 and i was kind of disappointed in a lot of regards so i was kind of looking at this 2d rpg i had and i was like look y'all look what i got it looks so awesome it's it's so much better than what we had on the genesis or the super nintendo so i kind of i kind of flaunted that around on people and i picked it up for pretty cheap too back in the day um as for my third title that is going to be resident evil it's going to be Resident Evil because of the fact that I spent so much time with it. I can still pick it up to this day. I can still play it. Um, it has a lot of replay value because, I mean, you've got all these bonuses that are thrown up in there. You also have the fact that just by nature of it being a Resident Evil title, you have multiple endings. Granted, not to the extent of later titles, but you have multiple endings you can go through. You can try to beat your own score. He'll have, you know, sometimes I'll do just a zombie killing run. We're literally, I'll, you know, I'll, grab, I'll load up a save file with a rocket launcher and I will just intentionally try my best to annihilate everything. I will burn through ammo like it's nobody's business. Um, but yeah, I'll keep it short. That's my three or four. <laughs> yeah, great list. Uh, and I kind of agree with you on that. The uh, Albert's Odyssey. I mean, one of my favorite games, uh, at least coming up on, it is uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth. I know a lot of people give that flack as well because it's it's not it's not really like the best, ge- the greatest game. But I really love the approach to it, the translations. And the westernization, all those other things you brought about Albert's Odyssey, and maybe it's just an testament to working designs on how how great they can make a game, or at least localize it. Oh, they 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 were absolutely awesome during the '90s. I loved everything that they brought over. I'm serious, everything. 
Nice, nice. So uh, with that, let's uh, move on to our next question. What are your favorite uh, Saturn memories? Well, what's your favorite memory with the Sega Saturn? I would say my favorite memory goes back to playing that first time with the Saturn group at my female friend's house. Uh, us being able to play together and kind of experience this new console that none of us were familiar with was really engaging. And we were able to play some games that we just had never played before. And uh, I would definitely say that's on the top of my list. And it's definitely what got me into the Saturn in the first place. So I would definitely call that as number one. My favorite Saturn memory is um, honestly going to be later on. Um, you know, I got a lot of memories from back whenever I was a kid and everything, but I've alluded to it multiple times. I sold off the entirety of my collection, minus a very few number of things, which were not in my possession at that time back in 2009. And whenever I started to rebuild my Saturn collection back in 2010, once everything in my life had gotten straightened out and everything, I went back to work in the oil field, et cetera, and I had a lot of disposable income. And I had started to um, I had started to buy all of these these disc only lots, and that's that's where the vast majority of my collection comes from today. Um, and I remember whenever I found the disc only set for I think it was it, it was a bid, of course, but I ended up getting it for eighty dollars. Now there was like thirty games in this, and most of them were just duplicates of Daytona or Virtual Fighter, you know, your common games. But it had two of the disc for Panzer Dragoon. It had disc one and it had disc three. And whenever I realized that I had just won that, and I had never played Panzer Dragoon Saga in my life, and I had heard so much about it during the 2000s, I had read about it. I'd had, you know, I'd gotten, you know, I'd gotten in with these forums and everything, and I'd heard other people talk about how great a game it was. And to have that, and now that I had a modded, you know, Saturn. Of course, I had to go find some good ROMs for it for this two for this two and this four, but that was an absolutely amazing moment in my life. And granted, I'm not the biggest fan of Panzer Dragon Saga. It's a great game. Don't don't let me take it away from it. I know Claire absolutely adores it, and a lot of other people do too. Um, but for me to actually be able to pick that game up, at least half of it, for effectively, I think once it was all said and done, I might have spent ten dollars on the whole thing after I resold all the duplicates I got. But $10 for two discs of Panzer Dragoon Saga, which were both almost mint on the bottom of it, that that was a pretty awesome memory. Nice. So, Claire, did you want to move on to the next one? Sure. So, I know that all of us in the Saturn community have a little bit different of a setup for the displays that we use with our Saturns. So, I have to ask both of you guys, um, what is your retro display like? Do you use a CRT? Do you use an LCD? And which aspect ratio do you usually play in? Do you keep it with the standard 4x3 or the stretch 16x9? Well, first off, I really prefer going with the 4x3 standard. I've tried doing 16x9 just because I really like the 16x9 format. But when you're trying to expand a 4x3, it looks either stretched or squished. And I just don't like that look. So that being said, my setup and my gaming room downstairs is on a 106 inch rear screen projector. And so I play all of my video games on this amazing surround sound big screen system, uh, including my old retro stuff with my Saturn. And uh, the way that I have it connected is I've built a, a small box that basically converts the signal from uh, the component output that it has, well actually the, the port that it has, RGB, and uh, puts it into a component, and it puts it in the highest quality that I could get, and it looks fantastic. 
And uh, so that's what I'm actually pumping my uh, systems through, and uh, looks fantastic. Can I come over to your house, please? Anytime. Come on over. What about you, Sam? What are you uh, rocking? Well, for everything minus um, like shooters and a couple of platformers, which are very, very time sensitive, I run everything through RGB SCART into a um, XRGB Mini Frame Meister, upscales to 1080p in the proper 4x3 aspect ratio, pumped out to a 40-inch Sony Bravia that I've had since about 2010. Um, that's the vast majority of what I do. Now, as for, like I said, the shmups and the side-scrolling shooters and some platformers, I have a... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say what I wanted to say. I was about to cuss. I'm gonna try to keep it family, family friendly. But I have some pretty low quality kit in regard to transcoding RGB SCART into component that I pump into a 20 inch flat screen CRT Toshiba. Um, granted that that Toshiba is is on its last leg. That is one of the few things I kept a hold of during those dark times. And um, about the top one sixth of the screen is just a barrel of lines. So whenever I'm playing a lot of games, I can't see I can't see part of the part of the screen, or I can't figure out what's going on at the top of the screen. So it kind of sucks in regards to that. But me and Pat have had the discussion plenty of times. Finding a good CRT around here, or even thinking about trying to find a BVM or a PVM, is almost like it's a lost cause. It's pretty much trying to fight a holy war against something that doesn't exist. But um, yeah, that's me wrapped up. Wait, you don't yeah. want to spend six hundred dollars on a on a PVM ship through eBay? Dude, I'll spend $600 on a lot of games I really want to play. How about that? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel it, Sam. There's nothing like that around here either. If I wanted to find something like that, I'd probably have to drive about three or four hours to the city and arrange for some kind of pickup. So I yeah, feel it, it when you say that PVMs are like an enigma. They just don't exist. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, part of the part of it's probably the vast majority of the U.S. population is on the, the coast, and, you know, the coast have these massive cities that just sprawl out and sprawl out, and I, I live in the country. I lived in the country my entire life, minus a couple of times where I moved to the city, and I always came back from the city. I'm, I'm a good old country boy, Southern Sega gentleman right here for you. Um, my nearest neighbor is almost, you know, a, a, a whole half a mile away from me. So I, I really, I really ain't worried about it too much. But yeah, it's whenever it comes to the whole retro gaming scene and how everybody wants to do this and do this technologically wise, and it just, I'm just sitting here like, dude, I'm gonna make what I have work. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, that's for sure. All right, Pat, do you have a follow up on that? Yeah, uh, actually, I was curious uh, on uh, to adding to that. Uh, what are your guys' uh, editing setup like, or record just your recording and editing setup like? Well, my recording studio is upstairs. Okay, so my game room is downstairs, my recording studio is upstairs, and what I have as far as my recruiting studio is I have a triple screen computer display, I've got a Logitech Pro, I have a M8000 uh, standard microphone hooked into a Focusrite Scarlet Solo. Um, I also use for capturing the actual games themselves a... Um, uh, let's see, the uh, HD60S, and hooked right into that. Uh, that is connected through each game system through an HDMI to converter to basically get either composite component or otherwise, uh, basically S-Video as well, uh, to get it into HDMI so I can get it into uh, this capture card. Uh, once it's captured, I'm basically playing the games on my computer monitor. And so the way I normally will do is... I will have the game full screen on the center monitor. I'll have 
the chat windows on my left monitor. On my right monitor, I'll have any other menus that I have to do for editing for the software itself. And uh, behind me, I've got a green screen, and I've got a green screen cloth that also covers my chair. So that way, when you're actually seeing my recordings, I have a full-size uh, headrest on my chair, but you can't see it because it's covered in green cloth. Um, and I think that's about it, uh, other than some lighting situations, but that's it on my end. Nice. So you don't use a, a frame meister or anything for that uh, video capture? No, no frame meister at all. I, I found I, I was going to get one, but I found that when I started doing some capture uh, with what I had, I didn't need one. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw some of your video and it looked really, really clear and really, uh, really great. So I definitely agree. And you don't run into any lag or anything of that nature when playing. Yeah, that was a concern of mine as well. Like, because uh, you don't want to have any kind of like twenty or fifty millisecond lag or greater. And uh, but even when I'm playing shoot 'em ups, where you have to have a real precise movement and fire rate, I'm not running into any lag whatsoever that is discernible to causing me any kind of problems with. So if there is lag, it is so minute that I can't even tell. Nice, nice. What about the what about on your end, Sam? I know you do a ton of video editing in terms of audio editing. I'd love to. Love to hear what you're rocking. Well, my kit has been upgraded slightly, courtesy of a couple of uh, a couple of friends over at the Shiro crew and a, and a good little chunk of change. But um, video-wise, everything is Frame Master, whether it be upscaled or direct pass through. Everything goes through the Frame Master. That is my hub. Um, from there, it runs to a uh, Elgato capture card in the computer. My computer is a Core i7. Uh, it's a Core i5, seventh gen. I am running 16 gigs DDR5, I believe. Um, let's see, I got a GTX 1060 uh, 6 gig uh, graphics card up in there. Multiple hard drives for all the all the video I got to keep. Jesus Christ! Um, on top of that, I do all of my editing. Well, let me get to my, my microphone setup. I have a MXL 990 that I'm speaking into right now, which is what I also do my voiceover work with. It's running through a Lexicon Lambda recording station on my desk. As for my actual editing, I do all my audio editing in Audacity. Um, Audacity is a great free program. It does everything I need it to do. On top of that, I do all of my recordings through OBS. I do not use Elgato's proprietary uh, proprietary stuff. I do OBS through everything. You can record at 60 frames per second. You have a lot more control over the video overlays. And on top of that, you don't have to worry about audio issues where sometimes, especially with the FrameMeister, the Elgato likes to desync audio. Um, which is why my very first video I ever made had absolutely no background audio to it um, because I could never get it fixed, and that's whenever I went to OBS. Regardless, though, that's basically my setup. I do everything through Adobe Premiere, After Effects, whenever it comes to video. I Instead of having multiple screens, I have a 32-inch curved monitor that I'm in front of right now. I basically have, if, if, if I really want to make it look that way, I have almost four screens worth of real estate to work with, and it's very easy to work off of. Everything I do computer-wise is wired. I don't do anything wireless. Um, it's not an issue with worrying about lag or anything because I do do PC gaming. But I just kind of prefer having a wired connection so that if, I'm, if something's going wrong, I know what's going wrong. In fact, I still run a mechanical keyboard, which is why I don't type whenever I'm talking. But, uh, yeah, oh, that's nice. me. Nice. What kind of mechanical keyboard are you rocking? 
Dude, I just got a cheap old black web from Walmart, dude. But I'm going to tell you right now, this $20 little piece, this little $20 mechanical keyboard has done better than, than some of the $80, $90 keyboards I had back in the day. I mean, it just, I, I beat the hell out of it, and it just keeps going. Whenever you're playing first-person shooters like PUBG and Fortnite and stuff like that up on the PC, and I really get into first-person shooters, I mean, I, I and my daughter likes to come in here and beat on this thing, and it is still rocking. Yeah, that's twenty dollars well spent. Go get your blackware from Walmart. This is a full endorsement from the, from the SSG. I got to fill in here. He he mentioned his mechanical keyboard, so I have to say tell about mine. My mechanical keyboard is an old Dell beige keyboard. It's oh yes. Heavy. Oh, it's fantastic. This is one of those that you if you hit somebody with it, it's going to hurt them. And um, this thing is wonderful. You can beat on it. You can do whatever you want. And the keys don't wear down. Even the letters on the keys don't wear off. It's fantastic. Nice, yeah. So you guys rocking, uh, I guess those are blue switches, right, Ben? Blue switches, I'm sorry. Are you referring to that little adapter? No, the blue, uh, the uh, the switches on your mechanical keyboard. I think the Model M's use blue switches, right? Oh, I have no idea. Mine's really old, so I'll have to check on that one. Yeah, just rip the keycaps up, and it should have colored on the switch. Yeah, because right now I'm rocking a, a, a CM Storm Quickfire TK, and we're at home. And at work, I'm, I'm rocking a, a Poker 2. And I think those are blue switches and brown switches, respectively. And they're, they're fantastic keyboards, and I would not... I can't use any other keyboard besides mechanical now, but uh, I think uh, we should slave the... Uh, actually, this is probably the best place to talk about mechanical keyboards, to be honest, so... <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad we nice. can get our fixture of mechanical keyboards on the minicast. So that's, that's right, baby. That's all right. All the way. Awesome. Well, hey, yeah. I mean, the reason why all this talk is relevant to begin with is because um, we at Sega Saturn Shiro have decided to bring both Ben and Sam onto our team. Um, they're both video content creators, um, put out awesome Sega Saturn gaming videos, and we're just really excited to have both of them here as part of our team. And we're looking forward to supporting them in their work and really just having a great time with them and putting out content together. So I want to ask both of you guys, um, tell us a little bit about the kind of content that you most like to put out. My favorite type of content to put out is if you like this, then try this. There's many places where you can look online to get information about video games about what's good, the top 10, the gems, the everything, but there's hardly anywhere other than when you're going in through some of these menus, say for like Steam, where they have basically uh, players, if they purchase this, they've also purchased this. That's not quite what I'm after. I'm not looking for an algorithm. I want to basically introduce players to a game that is very similar to the mechanics that they may be playing here. And that is something that really fascinates me to want to actually branch that out and introduce people to something they never knew existed. And then the other type of games that I really want to do as far as videos is basically kind of like, let's play this oddball game over here and let's kind of walk our way through and figure out what it takes to beat this thing, kind of from a zero to hero standpoint. And um, as we go and grow, we'll figure out how this game works, how to beat it, how to solve the puzzles and stuff like that. I really appreciate that, Ben. That That is really cool. Um, I know that I'm always looking for new games to discover. And, you know, you think that whenever you have a console as old as the Saturn is, that you've exhausted everything, you know, that you've found every hidden gem that there is. And really, in reality, I don't think that's the case. There's always something new to discover. So I really appreciate your effort to kind of 
bring those kind of videos that um, let people know, hey, you know, if you enjoyed this game, you might want to check this one out. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, if anything, that anybody that watches us, or especially watches me, finds something new and enjoys something. Definitely. Yeah, super cool. And I'm looking forward to all of the content that we're all going to be putting out together. So, Sam, I'll ask you the same question. What's your favorite kind of content to put out? Well, I haven't really had the opportunity to put out the content I have really wanted to do. Um, I've been I've been limited in, restri- in, in regards to what kind of games I can talk about. Um, since, and this is news for some people who might have watched my stuff over on the Saturn Junkyard, I, I have a new channel that's coming up. My channel, the Sega Saturn, uh, the, I'm doing a Patrick now, the Southern Sega Gentleman. Um, I will start dropping content Saturday, April 28th, and the content that I am going to start putting out is exactly what you're talking about, Claire, the stuff I want to do, the stuff I want to talk about. Um, I really like to look at games from a historical point of view. I want to see what impact they had on the community, the impact they had on the genre, gaming in general, and like I said in my channel trailer, most important, me and you. Um, that's what I want to be able to talk about. I want to see what these games actually brought to the table. On top of that, I'm going to have a number of series, including that, but I'm really going to be talking about things like life after the Dreamcast. What happened to Sega after the Dreamcast? Where did Sega's games go? How did they change? What evolved with time? You know, did they still hold, you know, that original Sega feel that we always like to, you know, talk about? Um, I want to be able to spotlight games that are exclusive to that console or to a console. Believe me, I'm going to be giving lots of lots of love to the Saturn. It's my favorite console tied with the Dreamcast. But, you know, I really want to be able to talk about, you know, multiple generations and multiple gens. I mean, multiple consoles. You know, my channel, I'm going to be talking about everything from the master uh, system all the way up to current gen. But my emphasis is going to be fifth, sixth and seventh gen consoles. Um that was the generation I grew up in. Those were the games I grew up in, you know, the 3D world. And of course, there's going to be, you know, I, I'm going to be talking plenty about, you know, 2D games as much as 3D games. But, you know, at the very same time, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I really need to be able to talk about that having my own channel gives me the ability to do. And that's, that's basically where I'm at. I'm really happy that, that you're able to branch out and still have that freedom, but also work along with all these other people. So I think that's, that's going to really make your content shine, and I'm really excited to see what both of you guys got going. Yeah, and uh, to kind of wrap things up, I just want to thank both of you guys so much for sitting down with us today and telling us a little bit about your experiences with the Saturn and the plans that you've got for your future on video content creation. I know that I'm really looking forward to spending time with you guys and getting to know you more and seeing what you have to put out for us. Absolutely. I can't wait to be working with everybody as well. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on as well, and I can't wait to see what we got cooking up. And what's got going to be cooking up is going to be a lot. So uh, from all of us here at the Sega Saturn Shiro, we bid you adieu and remind you that you must play Sega Saturn. Mm-hmm.